Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Welcome. Uh, we have an extraordinary show for you today. The trial now down to one defendant, Wayne Shung. I mean, we started with so many uh, who were involved in the rescue of chickens and ducks way back in 2018 and 2019. And now we are down to this man, the last man standing who faces the possibility of prison because a group who believe they have the right to rescue animals who are suffering in factory farms took some animals out, approximately seven, 70 chickens and ducks. I want to go straight out to the courthouse live with Carla Cabral, who has been covering this case and has a member of the defense team. Spell it out for us. What's going on? Um, I'm Marae Wilden. I'm volunteering with, with the defense team. Um, what's going on today is the judge is ruling about which witnesses are going to be admissible, at least theoretically, once we get a jury and witnesses start testifying. Um, judge Laura Basalia has ruled that some of our witnesses um, would offer testimony that is not relevant. For example, Elmira Tanner, except under certain very limited circumstances, she's not going to be permitted to testify, but others will be permitted to testify, such as Alexandra Paul, Caroline Paul, Julianne Perry, and others. So, uh, I, first of all, I've never heard, and I've covered a lot of trials, where the judge brings all the defense witnesses in in advance and then makes them fly in from all over the place to decide whether she feels that it's okay for them to testify. That sounds really bizarre to me. Spell it out in people terms. I couldn't agree more. Um, in my 10 years as a lawyer, I've never seen it either. Um, I think in part, this is due to some discovery rules in California that are seeking what I'm gonna call sort of radical transparency in terms of the defense and the prosecution not doing trial by ambush, giving each other a lot of preparation about what would, what evidence is going to be presented and all of that stuff so that everybody can be prepared. Um, but to this level, I've never seen anything, anything like it. We're basically, in some ways, trying the case before we try the case. I think that these radical transparency laws, sure, they apply in all cases, but I, I think they hurt defendants. And I think we're seeing that in this case, because essentially the prosecution is getting a, a total preview of what many of our of our witnesses are going to testify about, including our expert witness, Dr. Shirsten Rosenberg. And and we are not getting the same bite at the apple for for the state's witnesses. And they're even allowed the prosecution was allowed to. Uh, cross-examine Dr. Rosenberg during that, right? Yep. So essentially, the prosecution has been able to conduct discovery almost um, by asking questions and then 
the prosecution will determine, hey, do we like that answer? Do we not like that answer? And that will affect what sorts of questions they ask our witnesses on the day of trial. So it's almost a dress rehearsal for the prosecution. I've never seen anything like this either. I wish I could explain it to you, Jane, but it's, it's bizarre to us as well. Well, it, it seems to me like injustice. I want to do a round robin if you can stand by. I mean, uh, this seems like really outrageous to me. Donnie Moss of TheirTurn.net. I mean, it, it feels to me like the county is moving mountains to make an example out of Wayne Chung in order to prevent other advocates from coming into the county to follow up on reports of egregious animal cruelty in the many factory farms in Sonoma County. That's what this feels like to me. It feels like it's part of this effort to, to end DXE, really. Well, the prosecution has been quoted. Allegedly, I wasn't there, but people say they want to cut the head off the snake was the quote from one of the prosecutors. There is, um, I think it's a speciesist comment, but there is the head of um, this whole open rescue movement. Um, so uh, it seems like now they've whittled down uh, the number of defendants to just him, the the lead person in the essence of the open rescue movement Priya who is was the co-defendant and also a co-founder recently took a plea deal let's listen to that and then talk about that she just recently took the plea deal to make the hardest decision of my life I don't feel like I've made a more difficult decision than what I had to make Yesterday. With so much animal cruelty evidence excluded by the judge, Priya and her lawyers disagreed on strategies to move the case forward. So in the best interest of the animals, Priya took a plea deal. I'm going to be here for Wayne and for the right to rescue for the rest of my life. So what do you think of this uh, panel? I mean, to me, it's so bizarre that they, they dropped the case against Cassie King uh, prior to that. It, there were a huge number of people who went in and rescued 70 ducks and chickens way back in 2018, 2019. Now, as this case just drags on, it's finally in court. They haven't even gotten a jury selection. They force, they force the defense witnesses to come in and testify in advance, giving the prosecution a preview of the case. And Ellen Dent, then um, they decide some of them, even before they listen to them, are irrelevant and can't testify. I mean, this is like, and I want to point out one thing, uh, the judge, and I just looked this up, is a former deputy district attorney in the Sonoma County District Attorney's Office, the very institution that is doing the prosecution. She used to work there, Ellen. Uh, I'm not shocked, especially by what I've heard so far, um, especially with Carla's updates. Uh, I mean, it just sounds like they're completely against Wayne. It's uh, completely transparent. I'm wondering if Wayne has been even offered any sort of deal at all. Um, I'm not sure if he has, uh, but it just seems like they're they're literally gunning for, for Wayne, uh, for DXE. And uh, I think if we did more digging, we might find out more about this judge, but that's absolutely not shocking to me. Well, I think they all have, correct me if I'm wrong, out there in the field, they've all been offered plea deals and everybody except Wayne has accepted them. Wayne feels that this is the best way. He's a former constitutional law professor. He feels this is the very best way to make the case for open rescue. So I want to play a clip, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, about a positive development that has occurred and we can talk about that. 
Is this animal cruelty? In the Sonoma rescue trial, the prosecution has done everything they can to make sure that the jury never sees this footage. But yesterday, the judge granted a mistake of law motion in regards to 597E, an animal cruelty law in California. A similar motion helped lead to the historic acquittal of Alexander Paul and Alicia Centurio in the Foster Farms trial earlier this year. What that means is that if we had a good faith belief in the legality of our actions, partly as a result of this statute that gives you the right to give aid to animals who are denied water. We can make that argument to the jury. We can present evidence. Our hope is that this will be a way we can introduce the evidence of animal cruelty and explain what led the defendants to take action on that day. But let Priya tell you herself about her state of mind regarding the cruelty occurring on those farms. Ask us what we have seen. Ask, ask the animals who are suffering. Just look at them. And you will get your answer. Are they in a the state of emergency? Hell yes, they're in a the state of emergency. So I want to go back before we get to our former district, assistant district attorney, Nathan Semmel, back out to the attorneys and our reporter on the scene. This is a positive, right? That this so-called 597E um, is going to allow possibly some animal cruelty evidence for the jury to see. Uh, spell it out for us. It is absolutely a positive. I think to, to be clear, there are a couple of defenses, several defenses that we asked for. One of those is the defense of necessity, which is essentially if we have evidence that there is an emergency and that someone is being um, subjected to substantial bodily harm or evil, that you are prevented to do something that would otherwise be illegal in order to protect that person. The judge denied us that defense, finding um, as judges often do, that animals are not someone, they are something. And so unfortunately, necessity is not available and we are not allowed to use the necessity defense as a basis for our mistake of law defense. On the other hand, 597E, um, which is about animals being deprived of food and water uh, for at least 12 hours. And if that's the case, then a person can take action with respect to those animals and have a defense to trespass that we won't be able to use 597E as a defense on its own, but we can use a mistake of law defense related to 597E, which the essential argument here is we had reason to believe that animals were being deprived of food and water. We had legal opinions from experts explaining to us that under 597E, we were permitted to take action to assist those animals. And that's what we did. We had a reasonable um, good faith belief. It actually doesn't even have to be reasonable. It just has to be a good faith belief. We had that belief and therefore um, the specific intent prong, the specific intent element of the prosecution's case is negated. So that's what we'll be allowed to argue. It's going to be limited. It is unclear how much animal cruelty evidence the judge will let in. It's become very clear that she's not going to allow in animal cruelty evidence for the sake for its own sake, in order to prove animal cruelty evidence, she will only allow animal cruelty evidence in to the extent that it informed Wayne's state of mind, his intent in, in terms of what was happening on the dates of the action or prior to. All very right. limited, wow. very limited prior, if I can say she's really been strict about the time frame. So any cruelty evidence, say from the 2014 Mercy for Animals, uh, that will only be allowed in to say that Wayne got that farm on his radar because of that, but none of their conclusions, the necropsies that were done on the animals are not to be allowed in because that happened after the fact. 
Oh, wow. This is sort of head spinning. I want to play another clip um, that kind of also tries to explain a little bit of this witnesses in, some witnesses out, some witnesses got, everybody got dragged apparently before the judge and into court before the trial even began. Jury selection hasn't even started and these witnesses had to fly in from all over so the judge could determine whether or not they were uh, allowed to testify. It's I've never heard of such a thing, but um, let's just uh, listen to another clip and try to sort this mess out. We will be able to hear about the 2014 Mercy for Animals investigation at Reichardt, but only as a way for Wayne to state this is how he first learned of the farm, not as a way to discuss animal welfare issues. The legal opinions of Professor Hadar Avram and former federal prosecutor Bonnie Clapper were ruled relevant as they pertain to Wayne's belief in 597E. But... Nathan Semmel, we'll get to it in a second. Another witness, Dr. Armighty May, a veterinarian, wasn't, was ruled irrelevant. And apparently she never even took the stand and tried to explain why she felt she was relevant. Uh, what are your thoughts on all of this? It seems like uh, a court out of, well, I don't want to use the phrase kangaroo court, but that's what comes to mind. Yeah, you know, um, I echo what Murray said earlier, which is uh, how she's been doing this for a long time. Um, I'm doing this for 20 years. I don't think I've ever seen before all of the defense witnesses being paraded into court to offer up what they plan to testify to and give the, the prosecution uh, first a sneak peek at the evidence and also an opportunity to cross-examine and get prior statements on the record. Uh, so this is unusual. Um, what I have but seen. But is it even it, legal? I mean, it gives the prosecution such an advantage because it basically gives the prosecution a preview of the defense case. I've also covered many trials, including uh, some of the most famous trials, Casey Anthony, Jody Arias, Michael Jackson, uh, Robert Blake, O.J. Simpson. I've never heard of this. This is cray cray, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a, a glass half full look at it, though. Um, at some point in time, the judge is going to have to rule on these issues and the admissibility and the relevance of particular defense uh, defense witnesses. So the glass half full view is that it's better to know it now, because if you know, if you plan on a particular defense and you learn at the 11th hour, or immediately prior to their testimony that they are not going to be allowed to testify, it can be jolting. Uh, it also looks, um, you know, you don't look smooth in front of a jury when that happens and you start to, um, you know, you can start to come undone a little bit. So there is an advantage to knowing it. What I think should have happened here is that, and what I've seen many times in the past on defenses where you're essentially admitting the conduct but you're saying there's a legal justification, there's a legal basis for committing the act, is generally what happens is the attorney gets up and does what's called a proffer. And what proffer means is they say for the judge, if called, this witness is going to say X, Y, Z. And then the, the, the prosecution has an opportunity to argue, well, X, Y, Z is not relevant to this case, and then you argue it. What I've never seen before and what seems patently unfair is the opportunity, like we have just said, to put the witnesses on the stand and get a free 
preview of their demeanor, of exactly what they're going to say, how they're going to respond to cross-examination. That's a first for me. Um, we've got some callers here. Um, so let me ask, is uh, Michael from Los Angeles still on? Yeah. Hi. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I've been following this trial pretty closely, but, and you know, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I still uh, haven't heard this judge's name. Is there any particular reason why that, you know, why they're keeping that uh, secret or, I mean, or has it been, uh, you know, her name been uh, oh. mentioned? Cause I haven't seen it at all. Thank you. Well, you raise an extremely important point, and I want to bring in some photographs here. Okay, this is the judge, okay? Um, and I'm going to remove this banner so we can see her name. Her name is Judge Laura Pasaglia. Uh, like I said, uh, she is a former prosecutor. She worked as a deputy DA in the Sonoma County District Attorney's Office. Those are the same people prosecuting right now. Now, here's, I think something that reveals more about her than anything. She stopped this woman who is a, a supporter of DXE and Wayne Chung, but is also a sketch artist from sketching um, in a previous hearing and literally took the, took the photo, the sketch away from her and then said, you have to apply. So this woman applied and the ruling is, and this is so shocking, that she can sketch. Remember, there's no cameras, there's no video at all. But this woman, who is a sketch artist, is not allowed to sketch the prosecutors, the witnesses, the judge, the court staff, the jurors, the bailiffs, or observers in the gallery. You are looking at the court order. This is another for to me. Uh, I want to go out to Lindsay Baker, uh, Lindsay, you've been watching this trial. You're a California voter, a California citizen. What do you make of that? Well, it's interesting, Jane, because this morning I was thinking about it, and I thought perhaps the reason the judge just was uh, didn't want her to show the sketches or wanted to see what they were was because of the expressions on the faces when they see the evidence, when they see the animals, the jury, the, even the prosecutor, even the judge, they can't help but react emotionally when they see this intense suffering. So that might have been what she was, the reason that she had decided that she did not want them sketching and she made her go through this process. They're going to allow it, but only the defendant and um, the defendant's attorney. I mean, to me, it kind of tells a lot about what's going on in this case. They seem to be doing everything they can to, to hone in and block information, block empathy as much as they can with even maybe not in the legal limit, maybe beyond the legal limits here. I mean, I've, again, another, I've never heard of this before. It, it seems crazy. I got to go back out to the field to Carla Cabral, our reporter on the scene, and also with somebody from the defense team, um, I, I'm just shocked. I'm, I'm just shocked. I, is this America? That's what I started thinking when I heard that. Take it away. I think it's, for me, it's odd that the reasoning that the judge cited for not allowing the sketch artist to sketch her or the jurors or the prosecution is 
privacy interests, essentially. And I think it's interesting that public servants, such as a judge, prosecutors, folks paid by Sonoma County tax dollars, um, who are in a public setting in a courtroom that is open to the public, that there's an idea that those people have an expectation of privacy while performing their very public duties, such that photos or even sketches couldn't be taken. I find that, um, for lack of a stronger word, odd. Uh, we've got another caller. We've got Nilo Farr in Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for our panel about the open rescue trial and the shockers. Um, hi. Uh, last Wednesday, September 20th, the Atlantic published a strong article titled Radical Vegans Are Trying to Change Your Diet. I quote a statement from the article most movements fail. The number one outcome is failure, even in causes that are far easier lift. Um, DXE has already won in Utah. They won in, in one of their cases in California. What are the chances that um, Wayne Xiong is going to um, have a chance at winning in this very difficult trial? I think that's, you know, a really good question. A again, the prosecution was quoted as saying they want to cut the head off the snake, Donnie Moss. And we know that uh, Wayne Shung has gotten more attention than almost any other animal rights activist, as well as direct action everywhere in the New York Times, uh, in the various publications. Uh, you just heard the Atlantic. Um, he poses a real threat to animal agriculture. Um, and so do you feel this is sort of an orchestrated uh, effort by the powers that be, a judge who used to be a prosecutor, along with the prosecution, to try to silence this man who is breaking through? Everything that we've seen so far would suggest that this is really a, a, a almost a coordinated effort to... Uh, to shut down this organization and to shut down uh, the person who they well, is no longer at the helm, but has led the movement, uh, the open rescue movement. So I, I think that Wayne has an uphill battle here. At the same time, we've been surprised twice before where we felt like the system was treating the defense unfairly. And in both cases, the prosecution and even the judges shot themselves in the foot by withholding information from the jury. And in both cases, the defendants won. And I think, you know, I think some of us were surprised by that. Many of us were surprised by that. So in response to the caller's question, I just don't think we know what the outcome will be. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Wayne has stunned the critics over and over again. He was tried in Utah and he won. And then he helped defend Alexandra Paul. And let's remind our viewers that all of these cases are caught on tape. In other words, they usually the prosecution wants the evidence so they can show the crime. It's always upside down. DXE always records themselves doing whatever they're doing. This is the previous case, the previous right to rescue case with Alexandra Paul, the former Baywatch actress, as well as Alicia Santorio, uh, rescuing sick chickens. And yes, we could say sick because they were all sick, it turns out, from a factory farm truck going into a slaughterhouse. So um, it the fact that they the prosecution always fights to keep the evidence out 
is why we're living in an upside down world. And remember, there are laws that are supposed to protect animals in California. One of the reasons that uh, the uh, activists went into these farms is that they had tried to report over and over again that what they perceived as, and we invite any representative from industry or any of the farms involved in this trial on, they perceived as extreme cruelty and the prosecutors refused to prosecute. And that's why they ended up um, going in because there's something called Prop 2 that went into effect in 2015 that provides certain protections for poultry. And they felt they were not, the law was not being upheld. So um, talk a little bit about that, Carla, and your guest. Yeah, I think that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that Wayne is going to talk about Prop 2 today. Uh, and I, I think it's very telling the charges that they chose uh, trespass and conspiracy to trespass, dropping the burglary, dropping the theft, because they saw that that was ineffectual in the other cases. Uh, and it also allows them to keep out the animal cruelty evidence as much as they can keep out. I did find it also really interesting today when the prosecution, uh, well, Wayne asked uh, about who it was that they were alleging conspired with him because they were able to see all of our hands, who we're calling, but the judge ruled that we were not allowed to know which, uh, with who Wayne was supposed to have conspired with. Uh, I'd love to hear what you thought about that, what the legal ramifications of that are. Yeah, it's, it's honestly wild to me that we still don't know who these alleged co-conspirators are um, because we should know to the extent that we're entitled to put on those people as witnesses to testify about their state of mind because the prosecution is required to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that those people came to some agreement, some meeting of their minds with Wayne's mind and intended to commit a crime together that they knew was a crime. Um, I don't think the prosecution is going to be able to prove that beyond a reasonable doubt, but I, I think, I think the fact that we are not permitted to discover that information at this time, the fact that we were putting on testimony with all of our witnesses and, and the prosecution is not, is just evidence, um, not as if we needed more evidence of, of this, but evidence that we are working in a system that is not fair to criminal defendants. And I think that's true, whether you're Wayne Chung or whether you're anyone else. But I, I agree that what's happening here is, is absolutely an attempt to, to take down direct action everywhere, to take down Wayne. And for me, that's actually an, in, it's an incredibly hopeful thing because what this tells me is that open rescue works. What it tells me is that it's a powerful, powerful force in the animal rights movement because the industry is afraid. Costco and Whole Foods and the American Humane Association are sending expensive high-powered lawyers to California to argue about you know, not not revealing any documents about animal cruelty to us, right? Um, and I, I think open rescue works, the industry is afraid, and even if there is a guilty verdict in this case, we will lose forward. I think we've made a good record. There have been a lot of rulings in this case that I find confusing. I think we have some excellent grounds for appeal, and sometimes victories for for social justice movements are won after you quote lose below 
once you can appeal to a higher court. And so, of course, I'm hoping for an acquittal. I believe that we'll get an acquittal. But if we don't, the movement will lose forward. Well, yeah. And I mean, who would pay the price? Wayne Chung going to prison. There's still felonies is my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now, let's talk about the fact that uh, we've whittled this all down to uh, one defendant. Let's talk about the two others prior. We might go to prison for trying to rescue criminally abused animals. And now the factory farm companies are trying to silence us. We've just been barred from talking to the media until the end of our case. My name is Wayne Shung. My name is Cassie King. And my name is Priya Sahani. We're facing conspiracy charges for allegedly interfering with a quote-unquote lawful business. A core part of this case is exposing animal abuse. And now that we can't tell the media about it, it's more important than ever that you speak up. In 2015, DXC investigators started exposing animal abuse at factory farms in Sonoma County, keeping hens in cages so small that they violated Proposition 2. The Sonoma County DA refused to act, so we took action ourselves. One of those hens, Libby, was so sick that she died that same night, and yet 40 of us were arrested and painted as criminals. I explained to the police that the public has the right to intervene when animals are dying, but they wouldn't listen. Dozens of police arrived in riot gear and 80 activists were arrested. We could spend years in prison. We are hoping that the jury will see that prosecuting people for rescuing animals is outrageous and that we do have the right to rescue animals from abuse. Stay tuned by following Direct Action Everywhere on Instagram and Sonoma Trial on Twitter. Thanks, Thanks for, for supporting, supporting the, the right, right to, to rescue. rescue. Now I want to go out to Michelle Celestino, um, Priya uh, has dropped out on her own. In other words, she took a plea deal. Let's put it that way. But the other defendant, Cassie King, the prosecution decided on the eve of the start of the trial, oh, we're going to let her go. Uh, Michelle Celestino, uh, Unshade TV host, you had some thoughts on that. When I first heard that, the first thing that came to mind was it's, Serious, a serious psychological strategic game by the prosecution. Uh, Cassie's white and she's amiable, she's well-spoken, and she's also one of the leaders of DXE. And for them to drop all her charges, it looks better for the prosecution because now the defense's face are two minorities in a predominantly white, I would say, jury poll. And um, that only works for the prosecution. What, what gets to me is that we don't point out the inherent racism and the unconscious bias that is built into our judicial system and society. And I think it's something that we need to call out and also recognize that the prosecution is playing that psychological strategic game and they're, they're, they're getting at them at all angles. Wow. Well, uh Again, Priya proactively took a plea deal, but you're absolutely correct. The one person they decided to drop all the charges against uh, was uh, Cassie King, who is a white defendant. Uh, Ellen Dent, let me ask you, what is your take on that? What do you what do you perceive? I'm wondering if they can bring up that Cassie did have her charges dropped and why if she was you know, having the same charges brought against her. Um, so why haven't the charges been dropped against Priya? Why was she, you know, 
why does she have to make a plea deal? And uh, why is Wayne in the same situation where it's either a plea deal or going to trial? So I think that's a, a really relevant point that Michelle made. Uh, you know, it, it is there is a lot of a lack of justice in our judicial system, especially uh, when the jury of your peers may not actually be your peers. Wow. Okay. Well, I think it's a very interesting point. Can it be brought up in court? I mean, I've heard opening statements and closing arguments where people construct entire fantasies uh, in the Casey Anthony case, an alternative theory with photos of how little Kaylee Dodd was presented in opening statements. One of the reasons why they pull the rug out from under the prosecutor, because they weren't really expecting it, I don't think. Um, so, why can't this theory be mentioned? Uh, can it be mentioned? Uh, Nathan? My guess is that the judge will instruct um, both sides that they're not to discuss what uh, happened to any other person charged in the case. And the, generally the basis is that the facts aren't the same as to any two defendants. It could have a prejudicial effect and that the jury is to determine guilt or or innocence based upon just the facts and the evidence as it pertains to those people who are still remaining in the case. Uh, I haven't heard a decision on that, but I've seen many, many, many cases where a co-defendant or a co-conspirator um, pleads out or cases or charges dismissed uh, at some point in the process. And we're always instructed that that can never be told to the jury. Well, but you know, this is a case like no other, Nathan. I mean, this case, uh, telling, look, no cameras, no video, no still photos. And then the person who wants to sketch is not allowed to sketch the judge. Honestly, I have never heard of such a thing. Uh, Lindsay Baker, um, do you think that, you know, it's becoming obvious they're out to get Wayne, but could his racial identity um, play a a role in that? Do they think maybe that could work with the jury? You know, in the, the times we're living in right now, we see this huge divide between people that are accepting of all and those that want to, you know, move away and just have their own group that they belong to. And they're basically racist. Let me say it. I think, uh, I think it's possible that they think this will uh, go over better as the other people on the panel have been saying with the public if they're only prosecuting someone of color not necessarily the sweet blonde hair blue-eyed girl you know their their niece or daughter or whoever they might identify with i don't know i mean it's i hope not the whole thing is made me sick to my stomach i mean i watched all the videos that dxc has put out and how at every turn they block them how can they have a defense of going into the slaughterhouse without showing the abuse that destroys their defense. They're going in to rescue from abuse. Hello. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, I agree with you. I agree with you. If your defense is you went in there to rescue animals, the idea that they refuse to allow animals who were rescued or their medical condition to be shown, um, it just seems like inherently um, just biased toward the prosecution. I want to play a clip that is related to that. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Shurston Rosenberg, and I was just admitted to testify as an expert witness. But she can only speak about the footage from Sunrise Farms and Reichardt that she reviewed to render her veterinary opinions. She cannot speak about the medical record for Libby, a hen rescued from Sunrise and brought to her for care who was so sick she died within hours. So I invite any of the farms on any time to comment or any meat industry representatives, but uh, that is the crux of the case going back out to those who were there, Carla Cabral and uh, a member of the defense team who's not a direct, the reason we're talking to you is that you're not gagged, right? Everybody else is gagged. We can't really talk to them. Isn't that correct? Um, but getting to this point, th this woman is allowed to testify, but she saw one of the rescued hens die like literally in her arms and she can't mention that? That's, that's yeah, crazy. Anything, yeah, any, any action or any knowledge that happened after Wayne trespassed or conspired to trespass is considered irrelevant by the judge. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So nothing is relevant and allowed to come into the court if it doesn't directly go to the state of mind that Wayne was in, the knowledge that Wayne had immediately prior to the action. So even information uh, that was taken, videos that were taken more than about 24 hours out from the action, the judge is deeming irrelevant because the animals are looked at, supposedly looked at and called every day. So it, to the court, is not relevant if there was something going on, say a week or two weeks or one year prior to the action because the circumstances on the day of the action very well could have been different. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think it's fascinating to me that there's a finding in this case that that the condition of the animals on the dates of the actions are not relevant to Wayne's intent or to any alleged co-conspirator's intent. This would be like if you were accused of burglary, the prosecution would have to show that you entered into this house, let's say, with the intent to steal something. And maybe your defense is, hey, I didn't intend to steal something. I heard my next door neighbor screaming, help me, I'm being stabbed. And so I ran in there to help a person who I thought was being stabbed. Um, whether or not, right, if you had a photo that showed that there was a person inside who had been stabbed, right, that seems like it would be very relevant evidence of your intent, even though it, it happened moments after you formed the intent for entering the house, right? It also seems like if there was, if it turns out there was no such person in the house who had been stabbed, that would be relevant evidence that the prosecution would be would be permitted to ask you about. And then it would be up to the jury to determine whether they think this defendant is credible, that they actually believed that that's what they heard, right? So, so the idea that, that, that evidence of what was actually happening in terms of animal cruelty on the day cannot be relevant to intent because it happened after the intent was, was designed in the mind of the defendant is wild to me. Okay, this is like an upside down world but let me just say this. I have hope because it looked pretty bad in Utah uh, where the prosecution was saying essentially um, you stole property. Here's the prosecutor's closing argument in Utah that some of many of the jurors who spoke afterwards said 
turn them against the prosecution's case, he compares the animals to a dented can, I believe. Analyze for just a moment uh, the reasoning being demonstrated here tonight. Uh, I think it's clear that the pigs were stolen, they were taken, and they were not returned. In fact, Mr. Shunk stated he didn't want to return. That's that. Imagine the use of the word rescue in some other context. Suppose you were uh, in the grocery store and you saw a can with dents in it. And you thought to yourself, oh my goodness, that can has a dent. It has the potential of going bad. I better rescue that can, put it in my purse, take it out of the store. Or imagine you're at DQ, you see a uh, dripping ice cream cone up there that the clerk just put on the counter. Oh dear, that cone is dripping off the side. I better take it so that it doesn't like make a mess on the floor. That, and I want to go to Donnie Moss on this, that backfired so horribly because all the jurors said, you know, basically how dare you compare pigs who happen to be smarter than dogs, but that's not any uh, reason why they should be rescued. I mean, you could use, you know, intelligence arguments. Does that mean if a human being is in a coma, it's okay to kill them? Or if a human being is um, been hurt and is unconscious, it's okay to kill them because they're not conscious. No, intelligence isn't the criteria. But nonetheless, pigs are far more intelligent than dogs. And I have two dogs right here uh, who are staring at me. But I mean, this idea of that the fundamental defense is that these animals are property and you can do with them what you will is at the very heart of this case, Donnie. Yeah, I mean, I, I do recall that moment where that um, the prosecutor really made that fatal flaw comparing uh, an, a sentient animal to an inanimate object. But it wasn't only that that got that, you know, that hurt the prosecution. It was the prosecution's insistence that the crime itself not be shown. Right. As you may recall from that trial, the defendants were so eager to to show the, quote, crime that they committed um, because that would take the jury inside of a factory farm where they could see the conditions in which these pigs were kept. And so it was it was probably a combination of both of those things that made the jury um, acquit the defendants in that case. Yeah. And Nathan, do you think this could happen in this case, too, where if if they really limit the information, the jury's going to be like, what is it that you're not showing me? Yeah, juries really don't like to um, be treated like children. And it's always apparent when there's evidence that's being withheld from them. And I think generally, because the burden is on the prosecution to prove their case, the prosecution suffers from those mistakes. And we've seen that um, to date. I do think they're making a little bit of the same mistake again. And I'm, you know, I, I hope at least um, they've clearly tried to learn from their past mistakes in terms of their charging decisions. Um, you know, this case started originally as a burglary case, uh, conspiracy to commit burglary. And as more and more people refused to take plea deals, uh, they started to peel off some of the charges. Uh, they dismissed the burglary charge. They dismissed the conspiracy to commit burglary. There was also a grand larceny charge, which we saw in Utah and we saw in um, in California. Um and when nobody was taking a plea deal, they took they, they dismissed those charges. 
Um, the reason I think they are they did these things is to continue to try to keep out that evidence. And it's a mistake they continue to make because I think it will backfire on them. Um, you know, Murray said a, a smart thing earlier, which was, yes, if we lose, there's an appeal and through an appellate process that could form the right to rescue. But We've got also- a caller. I, I just want to jump in because we lose them if we don't go to them. Samantha in Pasadena, your question or thought for our panel. Hi. Hi, Jane. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for uh, talking about this important inf- uh, uh, litigation. I just have one question is that now that since all the defendants are uh, are no longer they have been off the case, does that mean except for Wayne, does that mean that people who rescue animals from factory farm what 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 does that mean for uh, the future of right to rescue or do we still have to wait until this case case is closed? Thank you. I think that's a good question. I think it was something like 80 people or 70 people were originally arrested. So it takes a lot of courage for all of these people. Um, I have to go back out to uh, the courthouse there. Carla, you are with DXE. There's a bunch of supporters there. Do you think that the people are looking at this going, well, I'll decide whether I'm going to go in and rescue an animal. Um, I have to see what happens in this case. If Wayne gets sent to prison, maybe I won't do it. Or if he isn't, then I will. Not at all. Uh, I mean, we are all here, uh, obviously, to support Wayne. But even Wayne and all of us are really here to support the animals. And we all firmly believe in the right to rescue. And it doesn't matter in the end what happens today. Uh, we will continue forward. Uh, you know, at one point after Priya took the deal, the judge looked at Wayne and said, Mr. Shung, you now stand alone. And we all looked at each other because we thought, how can you, how could you possibly say that? The courtroom was packed with all of us. And we want to let the prosecutors know that they cannot cut the head off of the snake. As I said previously, we are a Medusa. There are so many of us out there and unless they prosecute all of us and put all of us in jail and by all of us, I mean thousands, if not tens of thousands of activists that are all over the world, all fighting to make sure that animals' lives are, are brought into the justice system, that they get rights as well. So. We all are here and we are all going to continue to move forward with the right to rescue until we've achieved total animal liberation, no matter what they do. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think it's, it's important to, to remember that cases like this to me and the support and the folks that come out, I mean, there, there's also a ballot initiative that's going on in, in Sonoma County to get it on the ballot for next year to ban factory farming. And Sonoma County folks are coming out in droves to sign this petition. Ordinary people, people who are not vegans, right? They don't want to see animals abused in this way. And I think it's important to remember, this just shows folks who want to abuse animals, make their money that way and excuse that behavior. They are the few. We we are the many. We've got another caller. Paige, your question or thought for our panel. Hi. Um, here's what I'm wondering. Will, do you believe that this 
case will set a precedent for the future as well as will this go down in history? Back to you. I'm going to answer that one. In my opinion, it will go down in history. Why? Because Wayne Shung is willing to go to prison. Okay. And, you know, I remember sitting next to him once at an event and I was like, uh, you know, you really don't want to go to prison. And he kind of pushed, brushed me off. I was like, oh, he's being a little rude there. But you know what? He wasn't. He actually is less afraid of going to prison than I was afraid of him going to prison. And I grew to respect that. Um, you know, uh, Michelle, you are a vegan, but you haven't really been that involved in the animal activism movement. You're a new member. But what are your thoughts as somebody who had really come at this from a health perspective, what you're seeing in terms of the level of courageous activism, uh, have, has it surprised you? And unmute. It really has. It's incredible because I, I did become vegan for health reasons and I'm learning and I'm so inspired by everybody and you feel everyone's heart it's for the animals it's for our health it's for the planet and the fact that wayne chung and priya and cassie were going to put their lives on the line to bring that attention to the animals and to what's going on in these factory farms is huge i went to my first pig vigil and it it devastated me and um i finally made the connection and I think that's what these trials do. The more they're published, I mean, the world should be covering this. Major media should be covering this, but they're not. We're covering this, thank goodness. And the more people know about this, the more everyone will get on board. Just me talking to my friends about it. They, they can't believe it. They think I'm ridiculous. And I'm like, this is really happening. And I'm talking to people who work in the news. So like everyone's in denial. The more we talk about this, the more this is in the forefront, the more attention the world will see it and and these factory farms will cease to exist hopefully and i want to take this opportunity to say yes having been in mainstream media for 38 years and michelle was a producer at the news station where i was an anchor we were the only two vegans and uh we reconnected Uh, i say that because it is shameful that the mainstream media is not all over this case on a daily basis. Sure, they report victories at the end of a case um, in articles, but this should be wall-to-wall coverage. The very fact that we have a judge, and I just got to go back to this because honestly, in all my years covering trials, this is a first in a bad way, that this judge is telling not only are there no cameras still or video allowed, but this woman who is a sketch artist, has had one of her sketches ripped from her hand. And then when she sought to sketch again, the ruling says that she is not even permitted to sketch prosecutors, witnesses, judge, the judge, court staff, jurors, bailiffs, observers in the gallery. Sure. You know, it just, it makes me say, is this America? Lindsay Baker, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I just think the whole thing is just showing us how this has backfired on them. And I think what they're trying to do now is damage control. I'm hoping, and this is a very optimistic uh, kind of 
feeling, but I feel it. I think Wayne is going to be acquitted or the case is going to be dismissed somehow. He's not going to go to jail. But at the same time, because if he does, the press is going to be much larger on it. If it's not mainstream media, it will be through social media, which puts a whole new uh, slant on this whole thing. You have to remember, as time has passed, social media has become more and more powerful. So the head of the beast is not necessarily a person, but how that person or that movement can affect the public and in this case, it could be through social media. So if he loses, I think this is going to explode in their face. And I think they know it. And they're trying to do damage control. And they're trying to eventually they'll let him off. But they want to do it in a way that it doesn't get worse for them. And I want to say, if you are upset that there's not a whole slew of TV cameras there covering this, um, which they cover many, many other trials, please support us. We are in 50C three nonprofit, a 501c3 nonprofit. You can download Unchained TV. We're free. You can do it on your phone, any phone. Just go to your app store. You can do it on any Samsung smart TV. It's in the app store of Samsung TVs. And you can also do it on any TV with Amazon Fire Stick, Roku device, or Apple TV device. We've got one more caller here, and that is Joey in Alhambra. Your question or thought for our panel. Uh, hi, uh, thanks so much for having me on, um, and I appreciate everything Unchained TV is doing to bring attention to this extremely important issue. Um, and that actually kind of leads into my question, which is how how can we get more uh, mainstream media coverage on this, and and why why doesn't the mainstream media report more on this? Uh, it seems like a very important story, you know, with respect to climate change, animal rights and everything that's uh, going on with the meat industry. How, how can we get more coverage on that? Okay, well, let me just answer that since I'm the media uh, expert here along with Michelle. Um, the mainstream media, and I've been behind the curtain, I've worked at major news organizations, uh, local, national, international, syndicated news, cable, broadcast. Look at the advertisers. The advertisers are primarily fast food and pharmaceuticals. So. Who has the most to lose if people start exposing horrific animal cruelty as part of factory farming? Obviously, the meat, dairy, and pharmaceutical industry, because the pharmaceutical industry relies on people eating meat to get high cholesterol, uh, heart disease, cancer. Processed meat is officially cancer-causing, according to the World Health Organization. So the reason we started Unchained TV as a 501c3 nonprofit is to get this information out there and do an end run around the mainstream media blackout. I've often said, if you want to get mainstream media coverage, you've got to get naked, you've got to jump on a runway, or you've got to go to trial and risk your life. And now, even when you go to trial and risk your life, you don't get mainstream media coverage. And it's like a little blip at the end when the results are announced. And, you know, DXC has done an incredible job to get uh, independent media coverage from uh, institutions like Vox and uh, The Intercept and uh, The Guardian, uh, 
organizations, media organizations that are that are a little bit independent and not so beholden to the advertisers. But um, we are out of time, but I urge you to all download Unchained TV, the free vegan streaming network. You can download for free on your phone or on any Samsung smart TV or on Amazon Fire Stick using a Roku device or an Apple TV device. It's 100% free. So please download Unchained TV. We will see you next time here on Unchained TV and Voice America Radio. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 